Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.17 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 27th day of the 7th month of the year 2023, and this is episode 764, I believe, of the Bitcoin and podcast. Let me check that out. Yeah, 764. We're going to start today with a note from Dergigi. This is brought to you, honestly, by the Noster Report. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. If you're not following the Noster Report on Noster, you should probably do that. They've got a uh, really good daily newsletter that comes out on Noster every single day. And I always scan it to see if there's anything interesting. And this one is Dir GG. Everyone is sharing the world coin video, but I won't. Look, not everyone's going to make it. The point made by 1984 is the same point made by ordinary men. Most people will love the regime. Most people will do anything to comply, to not stick out, to do what everyone else does, no matter how ridiculous. The solution is deceivingly simple. Don't try to change other people. Focus on yourself and how you spend your time. Opt out. Don't feed the beast. Concentrate your time, energy, and attention on the alternatives represented by Bitcoin and Noster. Become as resilient as you can. Become unruggable. Ignore the noise. It's actually some of the best advice anybody can ever give anybody else. Uh, and Dergigi always has a tendency to be able to boil, you know, oceans down into, you know, a nice brewed tea. Um, not everybody's going to make it. He's not lying. And it's really important that everybody understand that. It's not about saving everybody. It's about saving everybody that you can. That doesn't mean everybody ever. It just means everybody that you can. And that's a two-way street now, isn't it? Because it's like you select, the, like, you know, you're going to save everybody that you can. So you're going to start with who? The people that you know. Some of those people don't want to be saved. They don't think they need saving. Uh, maybe in their mind, they're on a, you know, beautiful desert island surrounded by, I don't know, bikini clad women all the time. And I, you know, and they're fine. And, 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 and you see it in a completely different way. First of all, the question really becomes who's right? Well, you're right for yourself and that person's right for themselves, right? You, you, you don't really get to tell somebody else that they're wrong because it's probably not going to work. If they're really, really set in their ways, this is what they really believe, then this is what it is. So just understand that and, <laughs> and it'll make things much easier, but still try to save who you can and certainly start with yourself. 
You know, start with the people closest to you. Now, uh, on to the news and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He says that he bought 14 Bitcoin for his children. Okay, well, all right. So Decrypt, Jason Nelson, uh, has it for us. Let's see what he has to say. As the race for the White House heats up, Democratic candidate for United States President Robert Kennedy Jr. has come out as a proponent of Bitcoin and says that he has proven that commitment by buying 14 Bitcoin last May. In a Wednesday Twitter Spaces interview with crypto investors and podcaster Scott Melker, Kennedy called Bitcoin the currency of freedom and said he decided to become a crypto investor after he was chided by media outlets for promoting Bitcoin but didn't own any. Quote, I bought two Bitcoin for each of my seven children. Kennedy said, noting that he made the move right after his appearance at the Bitcoin conference in May, quote, now I'm a Bitcoin owner and I'm sure they'll now find a different way to come at me, but no one can say that I didn't put my money where my mouth is. Kennedy and Melker also discussed how banks can shut down customer bank accounts without warning and suggested political pressure may be behind the closure of the bank account of Joseph Merkola, described by the New York Times as, quote, the most influential spreader of coronavirus misinformation online. And Dr. Joseph Merkola's tweet says this. Chase Bank has shut down our business bank accounts along with the accounts of my CEO and CFO, as well as their family members, including spouse and child. They refuse to provide any reason for doing so. The oldest account has been active for 18 years. So that's coming from the mouth of Joseph Merkel himself. Quote, here we have a powerful banking interest that has received all kinds of federal government support, and it's utterly dependent on its relationship with the Fed and the federal government, and it is shutting down one of its customers for political speech, Kennedy said. Quote, I think that incident alone should be one that all of us should be terrified about, and it makes the move toward Bitcoin all that more important. In quote, during the annual conference held in Miami, Florida, Kennedy said Corona-19 restrictions led him to Bitcoin, and he claimed to be the first presidential candidate to accept Bitcoin donations through the Lightning Network. But he also said that he didn't own any and wasn't there to give investment advice. Currently, the price of Bitcoin is 29330 per coin, according to CoinMarketCap. At the time of his speech at Bitcoin 2023, the price of Bitcoin stood around 27128 If Kennedy's claims are true, the Kennedy Bitcoin Treasury would be worth around $400,000 today. Earlier this month, a financial disclosure document obtained by CNBC showed Kennedy's family held between $100,000 and $250,000 worth of Bitcoin. His conference address established a strong alignment with so-called digital gold. Quote, when I witnessed this cataclysm, this devastating use of government repression, I realized for the first time how free money is as important to freedom as free expression, Kennedy said. Kennedy added that the many environmental claims about Bitcoin are unfounded. Quote, I believe that the environmental arguments against Bitcoin are a smokescreen to obscure the real motives for suppressing Bitcoin, he said, citing the massive cost of endless wars and environmentally destructive projects. While Kennedy is not expected to win the Democratic Party's nomination, online wagering sites put his odds at around 11%. He has drawn support from fervent crypto fans. Quote, I'm very happy for the support that I've gotten from the Bitcoin community, Kennedy said. All right, so... 
Kennedy got chided for not owning any Bitcoin, and but also saying that he was a proponent for Bitcoin. So he apparently put his money where his mouth is. Um, eh, okay, I'm 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 honestly good with that. It would have been better had he had he previously owned Bitcoin before that. Uh, so you know, kind of not a good look. But you know, do we really do we really need? to worry about Robert F. Kennedy at this point is, I mean, the political system's very, very broken. That's very, very clear. Um, There's no way he's getting the democratic, you know, nomination. That doesn't mean that you still can't vote for him. And if he still puts his name out there as, you know, up for election as an independent, that could happen, but he's not getting the Democrat. uh, He's not getting that nomination. It's not going to happen. It's either going to go to Biden. I don't think he actually survives to the election. So they'll put Kamala Harris in for like the last nine months. That way she won't look as much like an, as, as an incumbent so that they can run who? Big Mike. <laughs> They're probably going to run Big Mike. And if you don't know who Big Mike is, just, you know, just, I don't know, Google Big Mike and Democratic you know, uh, presidential nomination and you'll, you'll find who I'm talking about. Um, further about RFK jr. However, we have this other one from CoinDesk. If, if you're interested, because like I said, even if he doesn't get the democratic, uh, presidential nomination nod, that doesn't mean that he's out and weirder things have happened. Maybe not in presidential races, but certainly in the world. Because I don't care if he gets the the nomination for the Democrats or not. He's probably still going to run. And if he doesn't get the nomination, I think what he'll do is he'll just drop out of the Democrat Party, run as an independent, and see what the hell happens. I mean, at 11%, he's polling like the other polls have him in the in the teens. That's honestly, I'm telling you, man, that's actually pretty good considering the field that's out there, but we'll, we'll go into this one. Coindesk, RFK Jr., Bitcoin currency of freedom, Canadian government morphed into monster during the trucker protests. So let's see what he has to say about the whole Canada trucker thing. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said Canada's government suddenly morphed into a monster during the trucker protest in that country's capital of Ottawa last year. The 69-year-old longtime environmental lawyer and Ann Kennedy family scion made the comments during a 90-minute Twitter Spaces event on Wednesday. During the conversation, he also hailed Bitcoin as a currency of freedom and revealed that he recently bought two Bitcoin for each of his seven children. Yeah, we know that part. Kennedy, who provided financial support to the protesting Canadian truckers in early of 2022, said... His Bitcoin moment came during the final days of the protest when the Emergencies Act was invoked for the first time in Canada's history. The act gave Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government additional powers to help quash the demonstrations, including the authority to freeze the bank accounts of protest leaders and supporters. Quote, they did something that was, to me, unimaginable. They used facial recognition 
license plate identification, and a number of other technologies to determine the identities of the truckers, and then they froze their bank accounts and their credit cards. It was during that period that the soon-to-be presidential candidate experienced what he referred to as his Damascus moment. Quote, this government of Canada, which I think most people like me had considered a role model for Western liberal democracy, suddenly morphed into this monster. It occurred to me that... At this point, that freedom of transaction was at least as important as freedom of expression, Kennedy said in response to a question from the event's organizer, Scott Melker, a Bitcoin investor and podcaster. Kennedy appears to be the de facto political darling of the Bitcoin community and even delivered a keynote speech at the Bitcoin 2023 conference in Miami this past May. His comments yesterday, together with the confirmation of his recent Bitcoin purchase, may also endear him to fellow Bitcoiner, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada and one of Trudeau's harshest critics, Pierre Poliveret. I can't pronounce, I can never pronounce that dude's name. Uh, Pierre, a vocal proponent of Bitcoin, who once posted a video of himself buying a shawarma with digital currency, had a reaction similar to Kennedy's and accused Trudeau of attacking his own population at a news conference that followed the release of a report on the Trudeau government's use of Canada's Emergencies Act. Political chatter about Bitcoin among U.S. presidential candidates has ramped up in recent months with GOP candidates like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy both publicly praising digital currencies. Kennedy has gone as far to propose ideas such as Bitcoin treasury bills. Now, for example, government debt, which would be backed by Bitcoin and other commodities, quote, my proposal is to make a small number of T-bills backed by a basket of hard assets, including gold, silver, platinum, and Bitcoin. We are looking at how that kind of commodity-based asset might put a little bit of discipline into the Fed and the practice of just printing money arbitrarily with no controls and no backstops at all. The presidential hopeful also proposed scrapping the capital gains tax on Bitcoin sales, but with a million-dollar cap, to prevent large investment managers from exploiting the exemption. Quote, I've talked about some kind of suspension of the capital gains taxes for conversion of Bitcoin. One of the dangers we want to avoid is creating huge windfalls for BlackRock and for Goldman Sachs. But there may be evidence that we may be able to do that with a million dollar cap so that smaller investors who are into Bitcoin would not have to pay the capital gains taxes. But super large holding companies like BlackRock and Goldman would. Kennedy didn't hide his apparent disdain for the large investment managers interested in Bitcoin, many of whom have submitted Bitcoin ETF applications to the U.S. SEC. Quote, they're funneling people into these ETFs. As soon as they create a central bank digital currency, BlackRock will transform those ETFs from Bitcoin into CBDCs and trap us all into that kind of slavery. He may not be, he may not be wrong about that. That's an interesting way of looking at it. A recent controversial video posted by the New York Post shows Kennedy saying COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. He has also been a vehement critic of vaccines and has demanded better vaccine safety. He's been called a bigot and an anti-vaxxer, but during the Twitter spaces claimed that all these labels are simply underhanded attempts to censor him. Quote, I'm getting slandered, silenced, and censored. When people hear me talk, they realize that I'm not a crazy person, not an anti-Semite, not an anti-vaxxer. Kennedy is currently polling somewhere in the mid-teens, so that's 14, 15, 16 percent, among Democratic voters. 
according to polling website 538. Incumbent Joe Biden, despite concerns about his age, is still the first choice for most Democrats, the site shows. Among Bitcoiners, however, RFK Jr. is a top pick. Well, of course, because we're a single-issue voting block. Doesn't, it's not really the best look in the world, but what else were you going to do? <laughs> of course you're going to vote for the guy that wants Bitcoin. Because that right now is that, well, we're at the fix the money, fix the world stage. And the world's so broken that we really do probably need to focus on one thing. And what do you focus on? It's the money, stupid. That's, that's, what, that's what's going on. That's why everything's all jacked up. It's the money. So if we fix that, we have a good shot at fixing a lot of the other stuff. That's one of the reasons why Bitcoiners have a tendency to be single-issue voters. I don't care about the environment because if you fix the money... That'll end up fixing the environment. It'll it it'll change the way that people think about money. And when you change the way that people think about money, they it changes the way people think about everything. About how much, you know, fertilizer should we actually be using? Do we really need GMO crops? These kinds of things all all of a sudden without government subsidies don't make a lot of sense. And the only way they do make sense is with government subsidies. And the only reason you have government subsidies is because the money is so fucking broken and nobody knows what anything actually costs or how much a dollar is actually worth. The only way to backstop that uncertainty is government subsidies. So if you make sure that people know what a dollar is worth and what it actually will buy, well, then all of a sudden subsidies aren't so damned important, right? And once subsidies aren't so damned important, then things, other things that depended on subsidies to make sense, all of a sudden don't make sense. And dumping thousands of pounds of nitrogen fertilizer, 10% of which only gets into the soil and the rest basically runs off in rain and hits the rivers and does all kinds of damage down there. Now, all of a sudden we're environmentalists, right? See how that works? It really is all about the money. So if people ask, why, why, why do Bitcoiners only, only care about people that, that say that they like Bitcoin? Well, this is why. But that's a trap. That's a trap because RFK could very well just not give a shit. <clears throat> like in, in reality, he could just be lying. I don't know him. I've never met the man. I have, And there's no way anybody can tell me that if they haven't met the guy and had beers with him for the last 20 years, that they know what he's about. No, you don't. No, nobody does. He could be lying straight through his teeth to us. And so therefore, I'm very wary of RFK Jr. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know if I'm going to vote this year. Who, who cares? Um, now on to some straight up Bitcoin news. The Human Rights Foundation announces 20 BTC bounty challenge for Bitcoin development. That's a lot of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine, Mark Goodwin, in what is perhaps the most articulate <clears throat> and thorough Bitcoin grant offering to date. The Human Rights Foundation has announced a 20 BTC set of bounty challenges in support of open source Bitcoin developers building tools and services that increase the functionality of Bitcoin. These selections, inspired by the HRF's research and work with activists across the world, were carefully chosen to perpetuate usability and increase privacy applications within Bitcoin, the Lightning Network, eCash, and Noster. The challenges will, will run through the end of 2024 with any unclaimed bounties being converted back into the HRF's Bitcoin Development Fund. The bounties themselves have a clear privacy, censorship resistance, 
and self-sovereignty focus, bringing much-needed attention towards some of the greater problems that Bitcoin faces today. The first bounty is a 2BTC reward to port the Bitcoin UI kit to the open-source PinPot project from its current Figma file format. This kit is a large set of design components for builders to use when developing Bitcoin projects in its current format. Its use is limited to those operating proprietary software, and the HRF aims to sponsor the replication of the Bitcoin UI kit on PinPot, actualizing free access and self-hosted instances. The second bounty is a 2BTC reward for a serverless implementation of PayJoin protocol. The bounty specifically calls for a production-ready version to PayJoin protocol, which may send and receive PayJoin transactions without requiring a sender or recipient to operate a public server. The serverless PayJoin bounty asks for use of BIP21 Unified Bitcoin URIs, and to remain independent from a trusted third party, hence serverless, which could expose user privacy in a non-trivial way. The third bounty is another 2BTC reward for the creation of a Nostra client implementation of end-to-end encrypted group chats, which is incapable of leaking metadata to potentially malicious third parties. In order to be eligible, the group chat must enable three or more users to communicate with no ability for outside adversaries to gather the content of the messages nor the identity or frequency of the user messaging. The fourth bounty is a 2BTC reward for a mobile Bitcoin wallet capable of receiving and sending silent payments without the use of a client-side full node. The wallet must be open source and multi-platform with a back-end that is interoperable with other mobile wallets. The bounty asks for compliance with the Silent Payments BIP written by Josie Blake. The fifth bounty, a 2BTC reward for human-readable offers, calls for a Bolt 12 offer generator to be integrated into a mobile wallet, ideally. A Bolt 12 offer could be communicated from a phone screen to a human without the use of copy and paste or a QR code scan, similar to how a Bitcoin and Lightning address is displayed. The sixth bounty is a 2BTC reward for a Lightning address generator within a mobile wallet that is self-custodial and accessible with just a smartphone. This implementation should not require the user to set up their own web server. The seventh bounty is a 2BTC reward for a mobile integration of border wallet functionality into a current Bitcoin wallet. The idea of a border wallet is to allow users to generate and practice memorizing their seed phrase for moments of cross-jurisdictional movement. That means just hopping across a border there. The eighth bounty is a 2BTC reward for easy multi-sig functionality and is aiming to bring coordinated two of three multi-sig usability and generation within a mobile wallet at the tap of a button. The bounty also mentions the mobile wallet must remain self-custodial complete with an open source method to recover funds beyond the multi-sig application itself. The ninth bounty is 2BTC for a self-custodial wallet implementation powered by Frost or flexible, f- sorry, flexible round optimal Schnorr threshold signatures. This dynamic multi-signature protocol must allow for modification of the signer set without transferring the funds to a different address. 
The tenth and final bounty of 2BTC is for the eCash protocol cashew. This bounty, unlike the others, is split up into four one-half Bitcoin bounties with specific requirements for further applications of this open-source Chaumian eCash system. Bounty A calls for an iOS cashew app, while Bounty B calls for an Android cashew app, both requiring a fully functional open source wallet with the capability to support multiple mints, use seed phrase backups for fund recovery, as well as send and receive eCash over Noster. Bounty C aims to bring to life an open source cashew web widget capable of enabling anonymous payments for paywalled content capable of interacting with the user's Bitcoin address. And the final bounty, Bounty D, is a half Bitcoin reward for actualizing Cashew TS Backup Restore, Cashew TS being a popular Cashew wallet library for application development. Users must be able to restore balances across various implementations of Cashew in order to provide security of users via a seed phrase backup schema akin to how most users back up their Bitcoin wallet. The HRF, Human Rights Foundation, stated that this is an initial set of 10 Bitcoin challenges and more bounties may be added as time goes on. The team or individual developer who fully solves any of the Bitcoin bounty challenges will be eligible to receive the two BTC bounties. All eligible submission will be discussed among external industry experts in order to select the submission best meeting the requirements of their challenge. Individuals and parties interested in participating are asked to contact bounty at hrf.org. Again, that's bounty at hrf.org with any questions and more details about the bounties can be found at hrfbounties.org that's hrfbounties.org if you want to just go to the website all right so what's interesting about these bounties is they're for, a they're from the human rights foundation okay well yeah they've been doing that for a while but it's the human rights foundation it's not a software development club you know it's not a next generation economics system club right it's the human rights foundation They've been involved in human rights. And the reason I bring that up is that these particular bounties are so very specific that they, I, it just, what I get excited about when I'm reading this is that just how much the Human Rights Foundation really does understand the ecosystem of Bitcoin itself. And that gives me a lot of hope. Because there's a lot of people that are running around that don't know jack shit about Bitcoin. Like, I don't know, I'm just going to pick on Robert F. Kennedy. You may like him and I'm not doing it to be mean. I'm just saying, I doubt very seriously that he understands to the depth of what many of the Bitcoiners that have been in this space for years, uh, how they understand Bitcoin. And the HRF, you know, they came out swinging last year, uh, you know, with this stuff. That's about the time that I remember the HRF really getting on board with Bitcoin, being very vocal about it, starting to offer bounties, started to put up Bitcoin to do certain things. And here we go. We're like one, you know, maybe two years in of the HRF really being fully functional in the Bitcoin space. And it's like they're fucking pros about this stuff. I mean, these are very, very specific bounties. They're not like, there's none of these bounties give me the inkling that they don't know what they're talking about. And that gives me a lot of hope. 
that the HRF is going to be able to do the things that they need to get done. So if you guys are listening out there or know any, and know anybody or you yourselves have any knowledge of any of the stuff that they're talking about, then please, for the love of God, apply. Start building the thing. You could get 60, 70 grand out of it. And by the time you're finished, who knows what it'll be worth? Just saying. Decrypt. <clears throat> Department of Justice does not intend to proceed with campaign finance charges against Sam Bankman fried our very favorite CEO in the world. The U.S. Justice Department <clears throat> has decided to drop one of the charges against SBF <clears throat> relating to political donations citing treaty obligations with the Bahamas, of all things. The DOJ informed Judge Lewis A. Kaplan via a letter dated July the 26th that it doesn't intend to proceed with the trial on the unlawful campaign contributions count. Campaign finance laws are connected to political donations and charges can be brought against individuals or entities involved in the political process, including candidates, political committees, donors, or other organizations. The DOJ, representing the U.S. government, charged Sam Bankman fried on 12 criminal counts, with, which included an allegation of violating said campaign finance laws. During a court hearing on Wednesday, the DOJ stated that they were awaiting clarification from the Bahamas government on whether the particular charge was included in Sam Bankman Fried's extradition documents from when he was arrested in December 2022. Quote, the Bahamas did not intend to extradite the defendant on the campaign contributions count. The DOJ wrote in a letter to court late Wednesday, Bankman Fried had donated $46.5 million to the Democratic Party, making him the second highest donor after George Soros. Reportedly, some recipients returned their donations following FTX collapse last year. On Wednesday, the federal prosecutor arguing against Bankman Fried, Danielle Sassoon, also demanded his detention for witness tampering. He allegedly leaked the personal journal of Carolyn Ellison, the former CEO of FTX's sister trading firm Alameda Research and his ex-girlfriend to the media. Judge Kaplan declined to rule on that motion during Wednesday's hearing, but is reviewing Bankman Fried's bail conditions. On Friday, both the DOJ and Sam Bankman Fried's lawyers are expected to file written submissions arguing his detention uh, during the time of trial. Meanwhile, Kaplan imposed an interim gag order preventing Bankman Fried from communicating publicly. So this dude is just, I get the feeling he may just flat out get off of all of this, not just the campaign finance. The way this shit is going, the way he's being treated, it, it would not surprise me if, if all charges were dropped. That they'll, they'll keep him at his parents' house eating caviar and brie and drinking champagne for like the next two or three years until everybody forgets who the hell Sam, Sam Bankman Fried really was because there will be 112,000 distractions between then and, you know, now and then. Uh, and then they'll just say, you know what, we're just dropping all the charges and nobody will hear about it. It won't be picked up by the news media. He'll just get off scot-free, and I guarantee you he'll retain hundreds of millions of dollars of money that he stole from the people that got into the alt season and uh, altcoin frenzies and believed everything that he said. That's the way it's going to work, probably. If he does see any jail time at all, it'll be very brief. So that's the United States government's justice system at work. Welcome 
Welcome to the USA. Uh, now, speaking of being welcoming in the USA, I don't think the people in Hollywood have an idea of how they've just thrown gasoline on the very AI fire that they were striking against in the first place, even though that wasn't the whole reason they were striking, but part of it was this AI thing. Check this shit out. Netflix, if you've been watching Black Mirror and saw the episode of, uh, what was it, Bad Jane or Jane is Terrible or something like that, this one, a uh, dude, <laughs> just let's just do it. Coin Telegraph, Amaka Nwaakcha is writing it. Netflix Eyes AI amid Hollywood strike offers high-paying AI positions. So if you were a writer getting paid shit, check these some of these prices out. As the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists Writers Guild of America, or SAG-AFTRA, WGA, strike over the use of artificial intelligence in film and TV production enters its second week. Netflix is advertising for artificial intelligence developers to fill product manager and technical director positions within its research and development labs and machine learning division. In the job posting, Netflix stated that it's establishing a fresh product management position with the aim of enhancing the effectiveness of its machine learning platform. According to Netflix, both roles will be located at the streaming platform's headquarters in Los Gatos, California, but they offer the flexibility to work remotely. The positions come with six-figure salaries ranging from $450,000 to $650,000 for the technical director role and three dollars to $900,000 for the product manager position. Both writers and actors in Hollywood share concerns about the increasing use of AI. Writers fear that generative AI tools such as ChatGPT may potentially replace their jobs, while actors are alarmed about their faces and bodies being scanned for background roles. This data capture raises worries about the indefinite use of their likeness for minimal, if no, compensation. The job advertisement highlights the significant demand for machine learning and AI expertise, particularly given the rapid advancement of AI since the introduction of OpenAI's ChatGPT in November. Both positions necessitate experience in game design and the machine learning domain. Interestingly, neither role explicitly mandates a college degree as a requirement. Yeah, because there's not a whole lot of artificial intelligence, you know, master's degrees right now or PhDs. Right. So, yeah, we're going to have to wait. And there's certainly not really any undergraduates. You just get an undergrad in computer science or you get an undergrad in math or something like that. There's no such thing as an undergrad in AI architecture or an undergrad in AI uh, prompt uh, 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 manufacture. Right. So anyway, as per the Netflix job, LinkedIn job posting, the vacancies emerged last week, which interestingly enough co- coincided with the breakdown of negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Consequently, the actors showing solidarity with the striking writers decided to join them on the picket line. This development has an added layer of significance to the situation with both parties expressing their concerns and demands through collective action during this critical period of contract negotiations in the film and uh, television industry. Yeah, so the very thing that they were striking against or one of the very things that they were striking against, they just threw gasoline all over that fire. 
what's what bugs me is the black mirror episode because the black mirror episode basically takes all of this to its extreme but logical conclusion and that is a complete set of computers that are generatively making full-blown episodes of Jane is terrible or whatever the name of the of the sprayberry or was streamberry uh, that was the their that's what they called Netflix in the in the uh, Black Mirror episode, but in either event, <clears throat> they it was that all everything was was CGI. Oh my dudes, I had to actually uh, pause that for a little bit because my neighbor came outside and uh, started bitching at somebody on the phone, and it was like, holy shit, dude, you're a little bit loud. So I just paused it, and I have no idea where I was, other than the fact that we're talking about uh, Streamberry and the Black uh, Black Mirror episode, and I'm just saying that it seems a little, it seems a little prescient, a little too prescient for my taste, because one of the things that I've noticed as as we go into, as we go deeper and deeper and deeper into Clown World is just how coordinated everything is. I was about to say seems to be, but it doesn't seem to be anything. It fucking is. All this shit's coordinated. And that just tells me how, I don't know, how deep that rabbit hole goes. How interconnected all these things are from Netflix to SAG-AFTRA to generative AI you know, it's like, and it's just, it's, it's almost as if they're telling you what they're going to do. So what are they going to do? Netflix is going to be 80% CGI. All the actors are going to be unpaid because they're not really acting. They're going to be CGI themselves. The scripts are going to be written by AI. And honestly, Netflix is probably not going to survive it. <laughs> I, why? Because it's not going to be all that good. You know, yeah, you can say, well, we'll just, you know, write, we'll just have the computer write the script. Oh, good luck, bro. Because last I heard, I, you know, it, the human experience isn't there. And it's the human experience that tells stories. If you're telling story, you got to write the story. Or you see what I'm getting at? I, I don't think that Netflix understands their own business model. Why do people make movies? Why do people write books? Why do people essentially do anything? And if you can say, well, we can replace that with a computer, then it completely deflates the whole proposition of doing it in the first place. I don't want to hear a story from a computer. I want to hear a story from another person like Christopher Nolan, when he was remaking Batman, those three Batman movies with Christian Bale as Batman my favorite movies of all the Batman movies because Christopher Nolan, there's something about how Christopher Nolan went about constructing these, these particular three movies. And I liked all of them. Now you may hate them and I get that. But the point is, is that I had an appreciation for what Christopher Nolan was doing and I didn't go watch them and then immediately already determined that I liked them because it was Christopher Nolan. I, I found out it was Christopher Nolan later and then started really appreciating his work and started watching his other stuff because I was like, this is damn good storytelling. You see what I'm saying? It's not going to work the way these people think it's going to work. It's going to blow up in their face, but not before they destroy many people's lives. 
right? And bore you to freaking tears <laughs> before they figure out that they screwed it all up. Let's run the numbers. All right, we got West Texas Intermediate up one and a half points to $79.95 a barrel. Brent North Sea is up 1.3% to 84 bucks. Natural gas is doing its thing. It's swing low, sweet cherry at 5.74% to the downside, $2.51 a thousand. Gasoline is up 1.42%. It's about to touch three bucks a gallon on CNBC futures and commodities. All shiny metal rocks are doing poorly today. Gold down 1.17%. Silver down 2.48. Platinum down 2.93. Copper down 0.9. Palladium one and a half points to the downside. All, almost all agricultural futures are down. Uh, everything's in the red except for sugar, and it's basically sideways, and lumber, which is one fifth of a point to the upside. Live cattle down a quarter, lean hogs down over a half, feeder cattle up one-third of one point, Dow is down 0.15, S&P is up 0.09, NASDAQ is up 0.75%, and S&P mini is down 0.61%. Real money chilling at $29,279.22. Looks like there is a 0.67 BTC being the average transaction value. Median transaction value is 32 bucks. Block times are high, about 11 minutes. 0.15 BTC taken to fees on a per block basis and 19 and a half taken overall in the last 24 hours. With a 2% dip in hash rate, we are at 363.6 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator being Dogecoin is 7.8 United States pennies. We have a $567.9 billion market cap. That's still 4.32% of gold's market cap. There are 19,440,505.5 BTC in circulation, and 4,686 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $137 million, being run over 16,348 nodes that we know about, sporting 68,815 payment channels that we can see, and 72.5% of all of it is being run over Tor. Mempools, not bad, about 110 blocks carrying 280,000 unconfirmed transactions are waiting to clear. High priority transactions are 20 Satoshis per V-byte, low priority are 14, and everything under 3.83 are being purged from standard mempools around the country. I came in at number 10 on Fountain App Charts today, and Fatoshi helped me do that with 7,778 sats. Says, I'm your biggest fan, seriously. I'm like nine foot. Letter 6173 with a striper boost says boost. Uh, T underscore dub with a thousand says to fix show notes, you probably just need to add HTML tags to the formatting. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea at all. I might give that one a shot. Uh, Pipe Bomb with uh, 1,000 says, great show. Well done. No, thanks, bro. Dubrovko with 1,000 says, such a shame that that litigious jerk is broke. He's referring to the fraud that is Craig Stewart, right? Dubrovko with another 1,000 says, the musical breaks on 762 slapped. 
Monard with a thousand says rockin' Dave. So many ways Bitcoin can support organic innovation. And then he gives the link to wavelake.com forward slash Jeremy hyphen Oliveira because I played Jeremy Oliveira's song yesterday. I do not have a song of the day today. God's Death with 370 says love this show. Thank you. No, thank you. Pies with 100 says thank you, sir. No, thank you. And Pies with another 100 says with spelling, uh, trying to correct his spelling says thank you sir no thank you and that's the weather report welcoming you to part two of the news that you can use what do we got here we got a coin desk article that's not coming up i wonder why let's see if let me try to re- redo that come on baby you can do it all right here we go Bitcoin Ether CME futures saw record participation from large traders in the second quarter, according to Coindesk and Omkar Godbowl. Derivatives giant Chicago Mercantile Exchange's regulated Bitcoin and Ethereum futures saw record participation from large traders in the second quarter. The number of large open interest holders or entities holding at least 25 Bitcoin future contracts averaged a record of 107 in the second quarter, the CME said in an email to Coindesk. Uh, Bitcoin futures institutional interest continued to increase throughout the quarter as investors sought regulated venues and products to hedge rising market volatility and manage risk and exposure, the exchange said. The Commodities Future Trading Commission regulates the CME futures. The standard Bitcoin futures contract is equivalent to 5 BTC, while the micro contract is sized at one-tenth of 1 BTC. The standard Ether futures, I don't give a shit. The CME's regulated and cash-settled futures have long been preferred choices for institutions looking to gain exposure to the cryptocurrency without having to own it. Just own it, dude. Just buy it. The record participation from large hodlers came as as top cryptocurrencies extended the first quarter rally. Bitcoin rose 7% in three months to June, confirming an 84% rise for the the, uh, year's first half. The demand for hedging tools also lifted the trading volumes of open interest in BTC and shitcoin number one futures and options to all-time highs for the first half, CME said. Uh, open interest in standard Bitcoin futures contracts averaged, averaged a record of 14,800 contracts through the first half, a 15% rise compared to 2022. Meanwhile, open interest in Bitcoin options averaged a record 9,400 contracts, confirming an impressive 170% rise versus 2022. Um, wow. Okay. Hold on for a second. I just saw something. Why, uh, no, never mind. I just, you know, me, something shiny happened. Um, what this is telling you is that institutions are gaining interest, and well, actually, it's not that they're gaining interest, they're executing their gained interest. They started gaining interest, and now they're actually executing on buying these contracts. What does that mean for Bitcoin? For me, it doesn't mean shit because I futures contracts just I, it's just paper, and honestly, I'm I'm done with the paper markets, derivatives, all that shit doesn't make any sense to me. It 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 doesn't create value. It doesn't do anything. People will say that well, bro, it's price discovery. Ah, oh, bullshit. I just I don't buy it anymore. I think there was a time where derivatives did that. 
no longer, we don't live in that world. We live in a clown world. So that's over. Right now, it's just a bunch of people glad-handing each other. But that doesn't dismiss the issue. And the real issue is, is that now they're actually executing on the interest that they said that they have gained in Bitcoin. We'll have to see where that goes. Everybody's still talking about BlackRock. Everybody's still talking about Goldman Sachs. Everybody's still talking about like the institutions are coming, bro. The institutions have been here. I don't know if, if you've heard me talk about this, but when some little bit of news that is very esoteric and only applies to like, you know, high scale economists and people that study this shit every day, which is not retail, which is not the general population. When that news breaks, you know, in within five minutes, you get price movements in the underlying asset that is Bitcoin. That ain't retail doing that. Because retail doesn't give a shit about the PPE or the CPI or whatever. Most people just want to go to work. They want to pay their bills. They want to feed their kids. No, 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 no. It's the economists and the analysts over at Goldman Sachs that pick up the phone and say, PPI came in at this, so let's do this. And then 50 seconds later, that shit was done. That's an institution. So for the people that are saying the institutions are coming, you're a little late to the game. The institutions, my friends, are already, they're already here. Now, SAS mining to open green Bitcoin mining facility in Paraguay tap Itaipu Dam. They're going to tap this huge dam in Paraguay. Uh, Decrypt, Andrew Bogansky has it. Sustainable Bitcoin mining platform, SAS Mining is expanding into South America with plans to leverage Paraguay's Itaipu Dam, the startup announced on Thursday. The firm's facility is expected to come online in September and will continue or contain mining rigs purchased by SAS Mining's customers. The platform enables people to purchase Bitcoin mining rigs, which SAS Mining maintains and powers with 100% renewable energy. The Itaipu Itaipo Dam, which is located on the border of Brazil and Paraguay, was completed in 1991 and stretches nearly five miles long. That's a long dam. SAS Mining founder and CEO William Sazmozeski told Decrypt that it's an ideal location for cheap hydropower. A lot of things that we look for, or that any good miner looks for, we were able to find out in Paraguay, he said. We're hyper-focused on putting our philosophy out there with wanting to improve humanity's relationship with money and energy, end quote. Saz Mazazgi described the firm's retail offering as an alternative way to acquire Bitcoin as opposed to tapping in exchange. Participating in the mining process aligns more closely with pseudonymous Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto's vision, at least he claims. <clears throat> miners play an essential role in keeping the Bitcoin network up and running through a process known as proof of work. They race to solve complex cryptographic puzzles and are rewarded with newly minted Bitcoin for verifying transactions. Drawing on the damn surplus energy, SAS mining can host mining rigs at $0.047 per kilowatt hours. That's 4.7 pennies per kilowatt hours. Uh, significantly cheaper than the average cost of 16 cents per kilowatt hour in the United States. 
The firm's facility in Paraguay represents an expansion of SAS Mining's footprint. The startup currently has a hydropower facility located in the United States of Wisconsin, and it's capable of generating 1.7 megawatts. The company's expansion into Paraguay will have an initial capacity of up to 5 megawatts, he said. For comparison, Bitcoin's network has an annualized consumption of 135 terawatt hours, according to Cambridge University's Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index, and 1 terawatt is 1 million megawatts. While Bitcoin's energy consumption and impact on the environment have drawn scrutiny from critics, including U.S. lawmakers, advocates claim that Bitcoin can provide an alternative store of value for surplus power. SAS Mining President and COO Kent Halliburton, oh God, I wonder if it's from the Halliburton family, because that's not the name that you want attached to Bitcoin, I guarantee it. Kent Halliburton said that the new facility will do just that, preventing the country's excess power from being sold at a loss. Quote, Bitcoin mining effectively transforms what was once a loss into a profitable venture for the entire country, Halliburton said, adding that the move is an investment in electrical infrastructure that will continue to serve Paraguay for generations. Let's just see what Kent, who Kent Halliburton is uh, related to. Hold on for one second while I just dropped his name into handy dandy search engine and see if we can find a Wikipedia page, which might or might not give us, let's see here. Hold on. Let's see if there's a Wikipedia for him because uh, Halliburton, Kent Halliburton on LinkedIn if there is any relationship, I'm not seeing it, but that doesn't mean, that does not mean whatsoever that Kent is not related to the Halliburton, uh, Halliburton family. And essentially, you're, when, you, when you talk Halliburton, you're, you're talking Dick Cheney. <laughs> you're talking Dick Cheney, Halliburton, Schlumberger, a, a lot of these uh, oil field, uh, um, oh, they're, Oil field service companies is is what that boils down to. But Halliburton especially has grown and morphed and basically metastasized into a cancer that has spread into the United States Army's ability to feed its troops on the ground in places like the Middle East. I would rather not see the Halliburton name attached to anything having to do with Bitcoin, but I don't get to have any say about that, just so that we're all very clear about the future. Anyway, Twitter or X or whatever this thing has become, dude, they stole a guy's handle. They just flat out took it from him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There was a guy that had a handle and Twitter took it from them. He didn't violate their terms and services. They just stole his handle. Cointelegraph, Gareth Jenkinson, Twitter hijacks at X handle. They offered the user merchandise in a trip to the headquarters as a thank you. Twitter is currently undergoing a rebrand to X after owner Elon Musk grabbed headlines when he announced that the 17-year-old social media platform he acquired in 2022 will have a new name, logo, look, and feel on July the 24th. 
X will serve as the new name for the social media platform and a broader eco- ecosystem platform that Musk intends to develop. And according to a screenshot shared on the alternative social media platform Stacker.News, representatives of X emailed a user that had initially registered the at X Twitter profile, informing them that the platform would take over the account. A screenshot of the email shows Elon Musk's rebranded X social media platform offering a user merchandise and a trip to company headquarters after taking over their profile name. And here's the letter or the thing that Twitter sent to this user. Dear X, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The user handle associated with account at X is affiliated with X Corp. Accordingly, your user handle will be changed to a new user handle. However, we appreciate your loyalty and want to minimize any inconvenience this may cause. You may choose any unclaimed or inactive user handle as a replacement. All data associated with your prior user handle, including followers and follower data, will be transferred over to your new user handle. Additionally, as a reflection of our appreciation, you will also be provided with a selection of X merchandise and an exclusive visit to X's HQ to meet members of our team. Please reply to this email and let us know which handle you would like instead. And if you have any questions... Please let us know. Best regards, X. The user was told that the at X handle was affiliated with X Corp and would be subsequently changed to a new user handle. And according to the email, the user was not offered any compensation other than a selection of company shit and a visit to their fucking place. Are you kidding me? Quote, no, not quote. I'm not even going to read that shit. Cointelegraph has reached out to X to verify the authenticity of the email. According to an earlier report from Mashable, Gene X Huang was the owner of the at X username before it was taken over. The Twitter user had not heard from the social media company following initial reports that it would re- rebrand to X. If So here's the thing. There was a time back in Twitter's like very early days that you had what was called short user names or handles like at Jack. Okay. That was a four letter username. You could only get one, two, three, four, and five letter usernames at the very start of Twitter. After a couple of years, They stopped that. You had to have a minimum of some amount of characters, and I can't remember what it was. But it couldn't be four. It certainly couldn't be three. If this guy got X, then he he was there like on opening day. That's how long this Twitter handle had to be around. It had to be from the first year of Twitter's existence. So you're talking about a 17-year-old handle and Elon Musk just took it. And yet everybody's still talking about Twitter. They're on Twitter. Oh, my Twitter reach. Oh, my Twitter followers. These people are all in danger. I listened intently and I, I, I really like uh, listening to TFTC uh, from Marty Bent and rabbit hole recap from Marty Bent and uh, Matt O'Dell. But this time I was listening to a TFTC episode and it was one with Rudy Haverstein, I think is how you pronounce his name, and like Dave Collum. And for the first full hour, it seemed like, uh, 
They were just going on and on about their Twitter accounts, their handles, their followers, their followings, their net, their uh, uh, spaces, their things, the, the how many times that they've been banned and how many times they've been able to get back in. And it just went on and on and on. And all I could think of is that do these guys actually understand the danger that they're putting themselves in by not trying to exit that platform? Actively, actively going to another platform doesn't mean you have to abandon Twitter. Right. I'm just saying that I got two grown men that seem to be very, very smart. And they're talking about Twitter like there's no possible way that they're they're ever going to somehow or another need anything else, even though that they're talking about how many times they've been banned. Almost none of the discussion that they had was about Noster. Now, again, I'm not blaming them and I'm certainly not blaming Marty. I'm just saying that it just seemed there was something about the first hour of that. And I think it was like two hours two hour long. So at least the first 30 or 40 minutes of that thing was all about them talking about Twitter. And I, I almost got the feeling that, that, you know, that even Marty was in the background going, gentlemen, do you have any idea how much danger you're possibly in and you're following? And now we have this. If Elon likes your, your handle, he's just going to take it from you and offer you a t-shirt and a boat ride over to a building somewhere in San Francisco where you have to step over homeless people that are shitting on themselves inside of, store, inside of storefronts to stores that are now closed because nobody wants to go to downtown San Francisco. It doesn't seem like much compensation. They just stole this dude's handle. Let me say it again. They stole his handle. They stole his handle. They stole his handle. Are you still on Twitter and on because you, if you are, you really need to look into Noster. We, you got to do something. This, this shit, this shit cannot stand. Anyway, let's do. Let's see, what do we got here? Nope, we're not going to do this one. That is going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, Dad says, jokes. I got a new pair of gloves today, but they're both lefts. On the one hand, it's great. On the other hand, it ain't right. Yeah, man, my timing was off all over the place on today's show, so my apologies for that. Also, the apologies for, uh, there was a a guy over on uh, Noster. Let me see if I can get to it real quick. Uh, that let me know uh, a while back, uh, in fact, that he wasn't able to download or basically he couldn't listen to my show anymore because he was using a VPN. Uh, My hosting uh, company is SoundCloud and they're the ones that generate the RSS feed. So basically I give them the MP3 and they upload it to SoundCloud. And then from SoundCloud, it blasts off to, to all the different platforms that pick up RSS feeds. So that's that's how that works. Does any is anybody else having problems out there with VPNs or ad blockers or something like that? Because that doesn't make any sense. This guy, I know this guy is absolutely correct about everything that he's saying. He's simply it's a Japan Hoddle, by the way, um, and he says, "Let's see, hold on, do do do. Where where did it go? Got to do it again. Primal's being weird." Um, 
Yeah, Japan Hoddle says, just a reminder, still can't download your podcast like everyone else with a VPN that blocks trackers, I suppose, because most of them do. I miss listening to it, but I'm getting used to it. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want this guy to be able to not listen to to the Bitcoin and podcast. Um, can somebody help me out here? Like, for, There's two questions that I have to ask about this. One is, are... Um, well, if you're listening to this, you're not. If if you're having problems getting it, you're probably not listening to this. Do you, uh, but it, does any do you know of anybody else that's having problems getting this podcast? Because that this shit needs to change, and I'm not sure exactly how to go about it. Which brings me to the second question: Does anybody have any idea what the hell would be going on here? Why on earth would a VPN block the ability of your phone or desktop applications? being able to listen to a podcast, downloading it, I can kind of see, uh, but it, I mean, but I, I don't know. It seems like through an RSS feed, I, I don't know. That's the point that I'm trying to get at is that are you having, do you know of any way that I can fix this? Um, uh, and are, or do you know of anybody that's having this problem? Because the only person that I've heard this from is from Japan HODL. Now, with that said, um, I would appreciate you guys getting back in touch with me. Let me know what the hell's going on. If you know of any, like even theories, just give me a boostagram or just throw me a DM over on Noster because I sure as shit ain't on Twitter or X or whatever the hell they call that thing. So if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.